Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. We're going to continue talking about the times that Jesus intersected people in their time of need. It's called the miracles. And as we're studying through the Gospel of John, it's with this hope that you may believe that we'll have our faith uh, bolstered. He's turned the water into wine. He's taken the royal official's son and healed him with a spoken word. He took the paralyzed man by the pool of Bethesda and said, pick up your mat and walk. And for the first time, he was able to walk almost four decades of being unable to take a step on his own. He feeds the multitude, 5,000 plus, with the little boys, not enough lunch. But man, it was so great. He took the fish and loaves and broke it, put it in baskets, and the disciples were able to feed people. And then we saw last week he comes walking on the water in the middle of a storm. They'd never seen anybody walk on water before, and they invite Jesus into their boat, and when he climbs aboard, the storm stops. Hey, our overarching verse has been John 20, verse 31, so let's read it with our best 11, 20 voice. Here we go. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. See, life and transformation or salvation happens when we believe. We can't earn his love. We can't earn his grace. We don't deserve it, but he gives it to us through Jesus Christ, and we see that as these miracles take place, that we begin to have our faith rise up. It's bolstered, so to speak. It gets ratcheted up, and we have a higher level of faith. And I hope as you've been contemplating these miracles, you're seeing that happen. Well, a few years ago, I recognized something in my life. Maybe some of you have recognized this in yours. I started to squint a little bit. And that screen in the back, it's called a confidence screen. So when we're up here leading worship, we have the words back there like you have them up here. It's not as bright or blind your eyes in the back. So it's just back there. And I can see it, but if I do that, I see it better. You know? And one of my friends told me I'm squinting. And my Debbie, my wife, said, hey, uh, you, you're squinting. I'm not squinting. You know, I look like Gilbert Godfrey. If anybody knows who Gilbert Godfrey is. I was squinting. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I went to the optometrist in town, and he put my eyes in the little thing where they, one, two, three, six. Is four better or five better? I go, I don't know, man. It's all fuzzy. He said, oh, oh, you need glasses. And so I got the glasses, and I put them on for the first time, and wow. Now, I could see you really well before I got the glasses. I could. But I couldn't see your wrinkles and blemishes very well. Or I couldn't see ladies where the roots need to be. Anyway, anyway, anyway. You know, guys, I couldn't see where the triceps used to, and now they're just trying. You know what I mean? And so, and so I got these glasses, and it made all the difference in the world. It was actually about a month before I got glasses for the first time. I was riding along with our then police chief, Timothy Dabney. Now, I like Timothy Dabney. He's a good, he was a good guy. He's retired now. And, and, and so we were driving in his unmarked police car around the city, just cruising around, praying for the town, talking about dreams and vision, 
It was great. It was great. And all of a sudden, somebody, high rate of speed, goes through the stop sign. And he looks at me, should we? I said, yes. <laughs> so he put down the visors, because the visors had the lights in them and the grill lights. And all of a sudden, whoop, 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 whoop. Here we were at Code 3 in his Chevy Lumina. And uh, not real exciting, but anyway. And we pull this car over, and the, the lady is there in, in the car, and I could see she's nervous. She puts her hand at 10 and 2, and she stopped putting on her mascara. And anyway, I just made that up. And, and, and he says, uh, Bernie, can you read the license plate? And so I started squinting. <laughs> and I said, I can't read it. He said, neither can I. True story. <laughs> so he says, get out, get out and go. Because he called it in. He said, code nine, you know, traffic stop. And, 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 and the Lompoc dispatch said, uh, yeah, now his number was 5,400. That was the number of the chief, because this is station 54, okay? And now, the minute he called out 54, code nine, uh, all the other officers that were on duty said, uh, we got to help him, because he's old and he probably can't see the plane. <laughs> so they came to help us. But before they got there, I went out. And I memorized the plate, and I, I read it to him, and, and so he, he called it in, and I thought, man, I need glasses. <laughs> so now with my glasses, I can read plates blocks away. It's so great. And so when I do ride-alongs with the police, I'm able to be an asset rather than say, I didn't see anything, you know. <laughs> so it, 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 it's helped me a lot. Hey, let me um, ask you the question, how's your eyesight? How's your spiritual eyesight? You know, the old hymn, Amazing Grace, you know what it says? How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I found I was, I was blind. I think this question deserves being asked. How is your spiritual eyesight? And somebody goes, yeah, well, I, I, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. He's caused illumination to come. But I think time and time again, we need to go before the Lord and say, would you help me see? Because I've had these eyes since I was born. Eyesight. Never been blind. I'm not colorblind. But at some point, I needed to get these. I wonder how you could make spiritual application to what glasses would be for your spirit, for your heart to where you'd hear truth and it would come alive to you, where, where you, would, you would see the need in someone else's life, or where you'd have a discernment, a discerning spirit, or where you'd look in the spiritual mirror, so to speak, and say, God, help me see myself or who I am. You know, this man in John chapter 9, if you have a Bible, that's where we're going to be today. In John chapter 9, Verse 25, he says, one thing I know, I was blind, but now, but now I, I see. He'd been blind since birth. Blind since birth. He never saw a sunrise. He never saw a sunset. He never saw the face of people talking to him. He never saw the tears rolling down their face or their cheeks. And John is in no hurry to talk about this miracle. It's pretty interesting that he talks about water into wine, 12 verses. He talks about the healing of the man who had been 
flame almost 40 years, 15 verses, 5,000 plus people are fed. He tells us all about that in 14 verses. He walks on water, an amazing miracle, six verses. But here in 41 verses, he talks about the man who's able to see, and he talks about spiritual blindness. It's actually something that he addresses. Hey, the first thing I want you to see is this. Jesus sees the real need in the real us. Yeah, why do I come up with that point? Well, those of the religious persuasion walked by and they saw this man as a theological debate and discussion more than they saw him as a man who needed to be healed. In John 9, verse 1 and 2, it says, As he went along, referring to Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? You see, in their theology, they believed if you sinned, you'd be cursed. If you sinned, you'd go blind. If you sinned, you'd be lame. If you sinned, you'd have mental issues. That's what they believed. And Jesus is real quick to say, I don't see this man as a spiritual debate. I see this man as someone who needs to have an encounter with Jesus the Savior. Jesus saw the man's blindness, and he sees our blindness too. Now, while some may want to judge us, or some may want to criticize our spiritual blindness, or while some may want to have a debate with us, oh man, I've had debates with people before, and I said, you know what? I don't have enough time to debate with you. I just want to go out and try to add value to people's life. I don't know if you have anybody that just has like one groove or one lane, and they always want to debate it, and they always, they're like sandpaper friends. You know who they are? You wouldn't understand, but uh, they just want to kind of grind you down, you know what I mean? And every time anything even close to the subject matter comes up, they want to bring it up, and they want to grind you down, just like the people who said, Rabbi, who sinned? But Jesus saw the need in this man, and here's what he said in verse 3. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, and Jesus said, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Now, some theologians say this happened, that the works of God might be displayed, was the fact that God caused the man to be blind. Some believe that. Others believe that Jesus stopped for a moment to actually take this man and cover for his family. Because we know that all people sin, right? But Jesus says, related to his blindness, this is not because the man has sinned or his parents have sinned. By the way, the man is there. He can hear it. Could you imagine Jesus saying, yeah, his parents, they're losers. This man, yeah, he's hopeless. No, no, Jesus says it's not about his sin. And some people believe, some theologians believe, the man was blind because God wanted him to be blind for this moment. But other theologians say it this way, that Jesus was referring not to the man's life, but the moment where he intersects him in the miraculous. He says, this has happened, referring to now, in this moment, so that the works of God might be displayed in him. In other words, the argument's not, how did he get blind? The argument is not even an argument. It's a statement now made by Jesus. It's not, how did he get blind? 
but it's, but it's how can God be displayed? You see that? How can God's miraculous power be displayed in him? That's how much he cares about each person, every individual, that he comes and he says, blindness is not a result of bad genes or the consequences of his family. And then in verse 6, he says, after saying this, he spit on the ground. By the way, don't read this verse to your kids. Because, you know, what, what do we teach our kids? Don't spit, right? And if you got to spit, do it, do it like somewhere, like in the sink or in the toilet or, or, or like when no one's looking in a bush, you know. But don't you dare spit on the ground. Don't, don't, don't. don't. Well, Jesus spit in front of people right here. He spit on the ground and he made some mud with his saliva. Are you kidding me? Could you imagine? Here's a guy who's been blind from birth. Jesus encounters him and he gets this mud pack on his eyes. It's not like a cucumber at a spa or salon. It's a mud pack with spit. Is that bizarre? It's, uh, to me, that's bizarre. But Jesus was thinking ahead. He, he has a, a, a process here. And one of the things I think is, is beautiful in this story, this man asked for nothing. In the story of blind Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus asked the Lord to have mercy on him so he might see. Uh, the scripture records that he actually cried out with a loud voice to Jesus. This man is, says nothing. And Jesus comes and intersects his life. It, it, it sounds so much like Jesus when you look at Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man, excuse me, has come to seek and save those that are, are lost. And how does he save us? He opens our eyes to our need. We have a need for God, a need for a relationship with the creator of the universe. And then John 9.7, Go. Wash in the pool of Siloam. And this word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Yeah. Oftentimes, number two, the miraculous takes my obedience and my participation. A lot of people sitting back waiting for a miracle. Okay, God, do your work. And God's saying, well, will you, will you step out in faith? Will you go into all the world and preach the gospel? There's that forward word again, go. Will you leave where you are to where you need to be? The man by the pool of Bethesda, pick up your mat and, and walk. There's a going in that phrase. Oftentimes, a miraculous takes place by my obedience and my participation. Go home, he says to the noble man, and as you go, you'll recognize something. Your son's healed. Remember, the messengers came and said, hey, your boy's been healed. The disciples Go out and now feed the multitude. I, I'll, I'll, I'll multiply the fish and the loaves, but you go and, and deliver. I, I think the word uh, salome is important here. It's the word sent. And why does this matter? Well, over 20 times in the Gospel of John, John refers to Jesus as the sent one. Huh. And in essence, what he's saying is, hey, you go down to the pool called sent. The same word that described Jesus, the sent one. And as you wash there in the living water, 
I don't want to over-spiritualize here, but in essence, he's saying, as you wash in a pool that represents the sent one, that represents the living water, that represents the cleansing power of the Lord, you will be healed. The mud will come off. And the Bible says that, that the man started to see fuzzy. And all of a sudden, everything became clear. And for the first time, he's seeing colors. He's seeing people. His life was changed. Have you ever heard the phrase, turn a blind eye? I did a little research and found out that that actually came out of a Navy time. In, in, in the Navy, where one admiral told another admiral, this is what we're going to do. These are, these are our commands. And the one admiral looked at the other admiral, and here's what he did. He turned his eye, and they called it a blind eye. I'm not going to look at what you're saying. I'm not going to agree with you. He turned his blind eye. I. Hmm. Matthew 13, 13 talks about people in our lives that have blind eyes. Now, I'm not insulting people. There's some incredibly intelligent people out there. But here's what I know. Though seeing, they do not see. And though hearing, they do not hear or understand. Now, now brace yourself for this, okay? Bra bra brace yourself. You work with people, you know people, there are people in your neighborhood, there are people in your family, there are people in your schools, there are people in organizations that you're a part of. They might be really intelligent, they might really have it together, but they still don't see clearly. Jesus makes it real clear that there are people who say they see, but they don't really see. And sometimes you run up against them. You try to tell them about the good news of God, the good news of the gospel, and they say, hey, look, look, I see all I want to see. I know all I want to know. I, 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 I can take care of myself today, and I can take care of myself in the afterlife. I don't need any of your stuff, because I can see. <laughs> the truth of the matter is, so could I. I didn't see it all, though. I was squinting. I put these things on. And all of a sudden, man, boom, the text came out. Oh, license plates became clear. I could see gnats on the back of windows. I said, man, this is something. I could see the blemish on our parishioners' faces. That was good. I could, oh, gosh, I looked in the mirror, and I saw some stuff I didn't even know I had. Uh-huh. Not saying people don't see, but they say they see, but they really don't see. They say they hear. I know it all. I don't need God. I don't need the B-I-B-L-E. I don't need church. I don't need prayer. I don't need... I have it all together. Oblivious are some. Living in denial are others. Now brace yourself. Parents. How many parents have kids still at home? Come on. I'm a... Good. How many grandparents are guardians? You, you watch your kids. Okay. Okay. Good. I'm going to talk to you for a few minutes if you would allow me to, and uh, I, I need to just really have you tune in. Whatever you do, parents, don't turn a blind eye to your kids. Know what they're doing on social media if they're on it. Know who's coming over to the house. Man, do a background check, a discernment check. Call the FBI and find little Johnny's coming over to see your daughter. 
Man, you better know who the heck little Johnny is. Well, he's so cute. Yeah, I was cute once too. And I was up to mischief sometimes. Uh, I'm sorry for what I'm about to say. If it bothers you, and if it bothers you, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be okay. Last uh, Sunday night, I, I was uh, riding along with our police department. And uh, it was the night after the homicide, the 15-year-old boy. And I'm just going to tell you the truth. If you had a scanner, you would know all this. By the way, you ought to get one. <laughs> Before it all gets encrypted, you ought to get one. You could still hear where the policemen go and the firemen go. And, and it's, a, it's, a, yeah, it's an eye-opener for some of you, maybe. And, and so there we were. Um, hello. There we were in the... Uh, it's not my time up, is it? Okay, no, no. There we were in the alley where the makeshift memorial for the fallen kid was. And you'll never guess what was going on. Kids were fighting in the alley about 10 feet away from the memorial of their friend. I thought, are you kidding me? The next night? Oh, we were out later. It was about 11 p.m. And uh, we see two young girls walking down the street a block and a half away from the homicide, but it doesn't matter where they were located. It's 11 p.m. These girls are about 13 years old, and they didn't even recognize a black and white police car because they were busy texting, walking down the street, not being aware, being blind to their surroundings. And my first comment to the officer I was with was, man, where on earth are their parents? They're two little young, cute girls, about 13 years of age. They were so oblivious, I could have got out of the car, grabbed both of them, thrown in the back seat, and drove away. They don't even know what's going on. I go, are you kidding me? Now, somebody says, well, you know, uh, there needs to be more activities for youth in the town. I beg to differ. Somebody said, we need a bowling alley. We had a bowling alley. Nobody went bowling. It went bankrupt. Get over it. We need a skating rink. Nobody went skating. Went bankrupt. We need a movies. We have movies for we got a pool, state-of-the-art pool. Go swimming. We got the YMCA. We got the Boys and Girls Club. We have, by the way, we have some great youth groups. We got one of the best youth groups on Tuesday night right here. Yeah, yeah. It's great. And they do stuff, and they get, they, they get fed for free. They eat free food. They have fun. They learn about God. They have great socialization. It's great. We're going to have the big game post-game party. Had 1,500 kids last year. So we said, well, you know what? Can I just tell you this? And then I'll get off my hobby horse. The parents, the guardians, the grandparents got to step up their game and say, we care about these kids. We're not going to turn a blind eye. We're not going to look the other way. We're going to grab them by the earlobe at 11 p.m. and say, get in the house. Because 10 o'clock is curfew, by the way, folks. Some of you don't know that. There's kids running the streets at midnight. Really? 10 o'clock is curfew. And the officer had every right to take those kids and take them to juvenile hall. You know, of course, we follow them home and make sure they got home. Now, not this particular night, but it's happened to us before where I've been with Lompoc PD. We've taken kids home. The parents come out half asleep in the door. Why are you bothering me? Well, it's 12 o'clock a.m. 
Your daughter should be in the house. Your son should be home instead of riding his bike with no lights at midnight in our city. And people say, well, yeah, yeah. Let me just give you an answer. We all have to make sure we don't turn a blind eye. And we all can't say, well, I see. Everything's going to be fine. It's all going to be just fine. Now, some of you are going to say, I can't believe he took all that time to say that. Well, the pastor's got to pastor you sometimes. Not pester you. Pastor you. And I know, yeah, that's right, preach. I know some of you are saying, you know what? We got, a, we, we, we got an eye on our kids. Got it. I'm glad. I'm glad. But we all need to collectively keep an eye on our kids. And we all need to spiritually say, Psalm 119, this is a great prayer. Open my eyes so that I may see the wonderful truths in your law. Have you seen God's love for you? Have you seen the victory on the cross over death and hell? Have you seen his promise and glory and splendor? Have you seen what he wants you to see about yourself? Have you been honest and said, God, here's who I am? Remember, God can't heal the fake you. He can only heal the real you. And what is faith anyway? Faith is seeing from God's point of view. So now Jesus tells him to go wash at the pool. We have some pictures of the pool right here. That's the pool. Now they've added some stairs so people can go way down. But in Bible times, there were 33 steps down from ground level to the pool. 33 steps down. If you're blind, you got mud in your eyes, 33 steps is a long way to go. The Bible doesn't say that his friends came and helped him. It just says he, he went down 33 steps. And all of a sudden, he started to wash his face, and he sees fuzziness. And then all of a sudden, clarity comes. That's what happens in a spiritual life. When you give your life to Jesus, things seem a little funny at first, a little fuzzy at first. We're worshiping God, singing songs to God, people raising their hand. This is kind of weird here. And somebody say, gosh, your church is wild. I said, well, not really. I could take you to wild church. Uh, we're pretty mellow here, actually. But for them, it was bizarre. Had a gentleman tell me, brand new to Christ. He's been reading the Gospel of John because we're in the series. He goes, man, I never knew any of this stuff. Things are a little fuzzy. But now he's starting to see how it all fits together with Christ. This man washed his eyes, and John 9, 7 records, and he came home, what? Seeing. Now, the neighbors want an explanation. Tell us. And so, John 9, 11, who, who did this? And he said, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. Can you imagine him telling that story? And then he told me to go to Salome and wash, and so I went and washed, and then I could see. He received his sight by the one who touched him. But he received his sight, again, by participating and obeying in the miracle of Jesus and doing something that seemed awful strange. I love Isaiah 42.7, the prophecy that says, you will help the blind to see and you will free those who are in prison and you will lead those who live in darkness out of their prison. This is the call of the gospel today, that he will help the blind to see, and he'll set the captive free. In Luke 4.18, he has sent me to tell the captives they are free and to tell the blind that they can see again. And then Acts 26.18, Jesus came to open their eyes 
so they may turn away from darkness to light, away from power of Satan to the power of God, and then their sins can be forgiven, and they can have a place with those people who've been made holy by believing in him. Your vision and my vision matter to God. I don't know if you've been reading at all or hearing about the Muslims today converting to Christianity at a wonderful rate. More people have left the Muslim faith and become Christians in the last 20 years than they have in the last 1,400 years. Pretty good. Now, you could Google this later or whatever search engine you use, and you could simply put in Muslims seeing a man in a white robe. Jesus has been appearing to Muslims in their dreams. Now, some of the Muslims, one of the articles I was reading, are having a hard time telling other Muslims what they saw because they'll think you're, we're crazy. But what are they seeing? They're seeing a man in a white robe, and he's saying, come and follow me. I'm Jesus Christ. <laughs> in Egypt, they have billboards on the highway that say these words. Have you seen the man in the white robe? Call this number. Who's on the other end? Christians. Because they know that some of the Muslims are afraid to share in public what they've seen in visions in private, but they'll call the number. You saw him, huh? White robe. Did he speak to you? Yeah. What did he say? Follow me. Who was he? Jesus Christ. And on the other end are people who are able to navigate Muslims to understand the gospel of Christ, and they're coming to know Christ. Now, some of you might say, why is Jesus doing that? Well, 50% of Muslims around the world can't read. 86% of Muslims around the world have no contact with Christians at all. Ah. So Jesus says, I'll find a way. And you might say, well, wouldn't that be great? Santa Barbara County, Vandenberg Air Force Base, Jesus starts showing up in visions. He doesn't want to. Why? He's got you. He has me. Where we share our faith. He told us to go into all the world. He told us to take off our spiritual blinders. He told us, don't you dare turn a blind eye to those who need to know the gospel of Jesus Christ to love and serve. Some of you go, I'm not a preacher. Hey, come help us. This whole street out here is going to become Jesus' property on October 31st. Somebody confronted me and said, uh, why are you guys celebrating Halloween? We don't celebrate Halloween. What are you celebrating? Night of party. Somebody says, well, the Bible doesn't say anything about celebrating Halloween. I said, no, but the Bible does say love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, I never thought of that, he said. Maybe, that's, maybe you got something there. I know I got something there. We've been doing it over 30 years. Got something there. High school kids coming together. How come? Because we love them. Because for three hours or plus, we're going to show them that we care about them. We're going to give them free stuff. Going to love on them. Going to keep them out of trouble. What we learned before the, the party actually took place, that one team that wins wants to go out and celebrate and be stupid. The other team that loses want to go out and celebrate and vandalize something. So we get about 1,500 high school kids together. They just love to each other. We wear them out. So by midnight, they go home. They've had enough. They go to sleep. No juvenile arrests. 
that's pretty cool. Somebody said, what's your church doing? Right there, that's what we're doing. Somebody said, well, you need to do more. I said, no, you need to do something. <laughs> huh? I mean, it's true. I got organizations, other nonprofits calling us, hey, how can you help us? Well, you guys can go do something. Everybody can do something. We do for, here's our old line, we do for one what we could wish we could do for everyone. Just, just find one thing. Yeah, but Bernie, you, Pastor, you need to help. You need to, no, I'm, I'm, I'm all, I'm tapped out, man. I am. I'm, I'm honest. But you can find something. You can find someone. You can pray. You can give. You can get involved in the nearest uh, school nearest your house. You can show up on a school campus, go to the office first. We don't walk on the campus without a pass. But you can go to the office and say, is there anything I can do to make a difference in this school? I mean, just go ask. Just, just go ask. Find something to do. All right. All right. But here's what happened. When you get blessed, when you change your life, Guess what happens? People start looking at you kind of funny. They do. And it says this, they hurled insults at him, verse 28 and 29, they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are the disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, referring to Jesus, we don't even know where he comes from. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners. Remember, you are a sinner. That's why you're blind. That was their logic. He listens to a godly person who does his will. Nobody's ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And then I love this. I love this. To this they replied, verse 34, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? Ever have anybody say that in different terms to you? Don't you dare lecture me. Don't you preach that stuff to me. And they threw him out. And Jesus didn't come to just leave him alone. Jesus heard this in verse 35, that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? Who is he? The man asked, and he said, tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, you're looking at him. The guy who spit in the dirt, the guy who put the dirt on your face, the guy who told you to wash in the pool, I am him. I've given you sight, not only physically, but spiritually. And the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. That's a great story. It reminds us that in your notes that Jesus doesn't just save us to leave us. He takes care of us. He takes good care of us. It reminds me of John 9.3 again, but this happened that the works of God might be displayed in him. Whatever Jesus has started in you, he will continue it. Philippians 1.6, he'll continue to perform it. Jesus opens our eyes so we can see his work, so we can see others, so we can see ourselves clearly. Look for him. Be honest about the needs around you. Be honest about your own need for transformation and change. Don't just look in the mirror and say everything's fine when you got stuff in your teeth. Uh-huh. Put on your spiritual glasses and say, Lord, where do I need to be transformed? Where do I, my eyes need to be opened? Where does my eyes need to see things differently? See, God never created anything without a purpose. And if your heart is beating, and if you're breathing, I think you are, there's a purpose for your life. Just as an inventor fashions an object with
with a specific purpose in mind. So also God had a reason for creating each one of us, and he wants us to see what that reason is. Some people say, I don't need God's help. I beg to differ. Other people say, I don't need a Savior. I beg to differ. God's come to save you, to deliver you, to open your eyes, to change your eternity as you believe in him who died on a cross and who rose again from the dead. And he'll change the way you see things. You'll start seeing things from his viewpoint. Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.